So as we kick off our season of Christmas here at Hickory Grove for the first sermon of the season, I'm going to preach on my favorite Christmas pun. It's not a way in the manger, it's the way in a manger. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, some, I was like, I did that first hour and everybody looked at me like, what? <laughs> I think it was like, yeah, we know that's an old pun. It's, it's not that funny. Uh, but it is a pun I love because obviously uh, that, that song, Away in a Manger, which is one of my favorite Christmas songs, it's kind of a lullaby. And I remember learning it as a child, and that always made me want to cry. It sounds so sad. Uh, but it is a beautiful song that I love. But it's not pointing to Jesus in the manger and saying, that's a way in the manger. That's not what that song says at all. But I'm using that pun to declare that he absolutely is the way. And, and, and the reason I'm preaching that and proclaiming that to you is because of one of Jesus' famous quotes, if you will. And to sort of set the background for this quote, he says what I'm about to share with you. He says this as he's preparing these 12 men that we call the disciples. He's preparing them for his departure. He's done life with them, he's lived with them, they've eaten together, they've drank together, they've done life together, they've roamed the countryside together for three years, and they don't fully comprehend what's about to happen. As much as he's tried to prepare them, they don't fully comprehend and realize that this man named Jesus is about to be arrested, beaten, crucified, and ultimately resurrected and ascended and departing from them. So he's preparing them for the departure. In fact, he, he says to them, I, I, I'm, I'm about to leave you, and I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, because in my Father's house are many rooms. And, and he says, you know the way to where I'm going. And then that's when Thomas, one of the 12 men, said, we don't know where you're going, and we don't know how to get there. And that's when Jesus says this in John 14, 6. I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and this, is, this is what I want us to understand here. Jesus is not a way to heaven. Jesus is not a way to have a good life. He is not a way to experience eternal life. He is not a way to experience somehow my greater purpose in this life. Friends, he is the way. And he is, all right, hey, all right. Um, thank you. I mean, it's not me. It was him. Uh, he is the one and only way. And honestly, if we don't fully grasp that and hold tightly to that, we, we really don't need to even be coming to church on Sunday and worshiping and gathering. I mean, that's the reason why we're so celebrative. There is no other way. And friends, by the way, we are not the way. It's not us. It is nothing that we can achieve and attain and do to find our own way. That first Christmas was not just cool it was absolutely necessary, crucial, and vital to our very souls. That's what I want us to kind of grasp as we begin this Christmas season together. Like, this had to happen. This was a must. This was crucial. This was vital. This was necessary. And without it, I am hopelessly lost. That's what I want us 
to, to sort of wrap our minds around. Now, one of the things I'm guilty of doing is I, I stop in the first half of that verse all the time. I'm like, because to me, it's the biggest thing. Like, like I want to applaud that too. Like, it's, uh, he's the way, the truth, the life. Yeah, that's awesome. Woo, that's all I need to know. But look at that second thing he said. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want to say it to you like this. Jesus is the one and only way for you to become a child of God. It's the one and only way. It's the only hope for that. It's the only possibility of that. It's the only path to that is through Jesus Christ. That's how you become a child of God. That's how a person comes to the Father, the Heavenly Father. And I miss that sometimes, that that's what he's saying. I'm so used to calling God, God the Father. Jesus called him the Father. We pray to our Heavenly Father. I'm so used to calling him that. But, but Jesus is, in essence, saying the way that you become adopted into your forever family is through me. I make that possible. He is the one and only way for you to become a child of God. You coming to the Father. You being adopted into your forever family. When I think about Christmas, it really is a miraculous time of the year. When you think about all the miracles that are a part of Christmas, there are so many we can talk about. We can even begin all the way in the Old Testament of the Bible. There are so many prophecies that are fulfilled with Christmas. To me, that's awesome. I can really geek out about that. I can't believe that many centuries before Jesus was born, it was predicted that it would happen. Not only that it would happen, but where it would happen. That blows my mind. How miraculous is that? And listen, a virgin conceiving the Son of God via the Holy Spirit. Well, my mind just kind of breezes by that every Christmas. But when you stop there, that's incredible, isn't it? Like you can't even begin to explain it, wrap your mind around it. And honestly, it's hard to even believe it's true, right? It's so miraculous. When I think about the fact that Joseph, who was betrothed to Mary, could have easily divorced her and walked away from her, but he didn't. And the reason he didn't is because he had a, a visit from an angel, but also Mary did too, to keep her from freaking out and to realize God had a plan for her. That's miraculous, the fact that a host of angels showed up and told a bunch of redneck shepherds, that's miraculous. The fact that Jesus was able to survive an attempt of genocide from King Herod, we don't talk a lot about that very often. Do you, do you know that that first Christmas, well, let me, let me, let me back up a little bit. <laughs> so, King Herod knew that there was a newborn king because of the wise men, the magi, but they showed up not at the very birth of Jesus. That's going to totally mess up your nativity scenes. I know that. But they did not. He was most likely a toddler, maybe two years old, perhaps even, probably less than two years old. But that's why King Herod, hearing about a newborn king from those magi, he ordered the slaughter of every two-year-old boy or younger in the Bethlehem area. Now, that's something we don't talk about Christmas season, right? But Jesus survived that. God spoke to people and arranged it to where they knew to take Jesus to Egypt until that all died down. King Herod was out of there and that all subsided and then moved back to Israel. And even that was prophesied about in the Old Testament. It was predicted it would happen. It's mind-blowing how many miracles happened. We could keep going. We could keep going about those miracles. 
But the greatest miracle of Christmas is the why of Christmas. Why he did it. That's the greatest miracle. That he had a plan to make sure you personally, you can say your own name in your heart and mind right now, that Bill Clark personally would have a chance to be adopted into the family of God and be able to spend eternity with the God of the universe Though he's perfect and sinless, a way was made. That's the miracle of Christmas, is that he did all of that. The why of Christmas, Jesus tried to explain it over and over again when he came. He says in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came, to reach those who are lost and apart from God. He says it a, di- a different way in John 10, 10 and 11. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. <laughs> you know, uh, Jesus is not only the one and only way to become a child of God. Another way to say that is Jesus is the way for the lost. And you may have heard me Quote our mission statement as a church. We try to keep it out in front of everybody. But Hickory Grove exists to eradicate lostness in northern Kentucky by doing whatever it takes to help every person take their next step with Jesus. Because he's the only way to move from lostness to foundness. And you know, lostness is a universal experience. It's what all of us have experienced in life. We are all lost apart from Jesus Christ. Let me just help you understand that. In fact, sometimes God helps us, has to help us understand that we're lost before we realize our need for a Savior because we become so accustomed to being lost that we don't understand our own lostness. You know what I'm saying? Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced lostness in recent days or recent months or recent years. I have always been so directionally challenged. It is not even funny. Uh, Sherry and I have always gotten along really, really well. Probably our toughest moments have been when I've been behind that wheel completely lost, trying to figure out how to get somewhere. And she's like, um, are we going to get there? And I'm like, okay, I got this, you know, I get a little bit huffy. And I used to think I've gotten so much better. But uh, it's not true. The reason I know it's true is because I like to run, and I've noticed in the past few months while I've been running with people, I realize I don't even know where I'm at right now. And I'll say, where are we? And I'll say, yeah, we're on this street now. Oh, okay, good. I'm like, I am not, I'm just, what I've come to learn how to use is a smartphone. I'm not better at directions. I just know how to use ways. That's it. That's all it is. And without ways, I would not know how to. I still, every now and then, trying to go on 275, I'll go up 17, and I'll still every now and then go east instead of west or vice versa. Like, what was I thinking? It's that way. And that's me. And, and, but it's been a very, very long time since I've been literally lost, that, where I know the feeling, that panicky feeling of realizing I don't know where I'm at and I don't know how to get out of this situation. It's a very unnerving feeling to feel that. And what is true about us spiritually is that apart from Jesus, we're just wandering in the darkness, guys, trying to figure out life, trying to figure out purpose, trying to figure out what it's all about. He is the answer to that. 
And I know that in our current culture, we have become more and more pluralistic. And many would try to tell you, well, there's many ways to heaven. There's many ways to achieve whatever you might want to call your version of eternal life. There, there's lots of options. There's lots of religious beliefs. There's lots of, lots of belief and, or faith systems out there. You can just choose one and do it well, and we can all get along together. And that sounds great. I understand that. But one of the most unloving things I could ever do to someone is to say, I can see that you're trying to find your way. There's lots of options. I hope you figure it out. Our former pastor, Will Langford, used to say something. I always loved it when he said it. He would say, some people might want to say that saying that Jesus is the only way to eternal life and abundant life and the only way to become a child of God. Some people might want to say, that is so narrow-minded. That is so narrow-minded. He goes, yeah, you can call it that if you want, but I call it being specific. If I want to tell you how to get to my house, I'm not going to say, there are so many ways to get there. Hope to see you at 2 o'clock tomorrow. That's, that's like, do you really want me to get there? What's, what's, the, what's going on here, you know? But if I love you and really want to be with you, I'm going to say, I want to see you at 2 o'clock tomorrow. So what you're going to do is you're going to turn left out of this parking lot on Taylor Mill Road, go to the intersection, turn right on Madison Pike, go to the Freedom Trail, Freedom Park, turn left there, first street on the right to Larry Court, turn right there. I'm at the end of that cul-de-sac. That's how you get to my house, and I want to see you there. Now, don't do that. <laughs> stalkers um, but but well you can do that we may or may not be home um, but uh, but but that's when you care about someone the most loving thing to do is to be specific <laughs> and if someone's lost how do you get from lostness to foundness here is the way to do it I'm here to tell you the miracle of Christmas is there was no way until Jesus. And now there is the way. He is the one and only way. And, and you may be still doubting that. And if you're doubting that, let me read to you a couple of passages that will help you understand why Christmas had to happen and why Jesus is the only way. In 1 Peter 2, it says this in verses 24 and 25. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Let me just pause there for a moment. This is our problem. None of us can be in relationship with God because of our sin. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. We can't be good enough. There were a lot of really, really good people in the Old Testament days that upheld the law, the Old Testament law known as the Torah, they did a pretty great job of it, and even they could not be good enough. There was always something they had done wrong. There was always some imperfection. There was always some way they fell short, like it says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's all of us, guys. That's all of us. We've got a problem. There's absolutely no way we can be connected to a holy, perfect, awesome God unless somebody does something with our sin. So God did. He sent his son Jesus to bear your sin, to bear Bill Clark's sin in his very body on the tree, that I might die, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, 
but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is a beautiful picture of what it's like to move from lostness to foundness. That moment when you come to understand, I am lost without him, and I have sin, and I have no business being connected to God in relationship with him at all. But to realize that this Jesus that we celebrate in baby form this time of the year, that Jesus was actually born to die for you and for me. And that was part of this grand cosmic plan by the creator of the universe to make a way for you to actually become his child forever. He did all of that for you and for me. Jesus himself said it like this in John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I've heard Tim say a couple of times already today, he became one of us so that he might save all of us. He made a way. In the darkness of our lives, a light is shining. In an aimless world where we're trying to figure it all out, he is the way. He is the the way that you can have a purpose. As he said in John 10, that abundant life that he wants us to have. As he said right here in John 3, 16, 17, the eternal life that he has willed for us to have. Jesus was born to die for you and for me. That's the why behind Christmas. When you see a little manger scene with that little baby Jesus laying in it, I hope that you remember all month long that this was only the beginning of Jesus' relationship to a piece of wood. His surrogate earthly father, Joseph, was a carpenter, and we know that Jesus took up that same skill set and made a lot of things. And I've always thought how many times as he crafted whatever he crafted, did he already know that there would be one day as he himself was pounding a nail into a piece of wood, maybe making a table or a chair for his mom, that he knew the reason he was even there, God in the flesh, is so that one day, a couple of soldiers would lay his beaten, bloodied body down on a piece of wood and nail it to a cross. And he willingly laid it down so that you personally could spend eternity with him. That's the why of Christmas, guys. That's everything, and it's the greatest miracle. It's why we can get so joyful and so energetic and enthusiastic in this Christmas season because it's just freely given. It's like it didn't say get holy, cleaned up, and worthy, and then I will accept you and adopt you into my family. He said, no, <laughs> you can never do that. You can't pull it off. You can't do it. So I'm sending my son to take your place on a cross that you deserve so that we can spend together forever. That's what God's plan is. And so your next step that I want you to embrace today is simply this. Remember throughout Christmas that Jesus was born to die for you. That's what I want us to do. I want us to do that today. I want you to do that tomorrow when you wake up. I want you to do it the next day and the next day and the next day. Every Christmas carol you hear or sing, turn it on 93.3, you'll hear them all (laughs) right now. 
Whenever you see a Christmas tree or a Christmas candle or a light, whenever you see a nativity scene, whatever it is you do, I hope that God just invades that moment and says, remember, you were there at Hickory Grove on December 1st? Do you remember why all this is happening? The reason all this exists is because I died for you. I love you so much. I want to be with you forever. I want to be with you forever. And you can't make it happen, but I made it happen for you. And so the way we're going to remember that today, as you could probably tell, we have something set up down front. If you've never been here before, you've never been to church before, we call this the Lord's Supper. We do this about six times a year. And we reserve one of those times for December because we want to remember the why of Christmas. That he was placed in a manger to eventually be placed on a cross. And we reserve one of those times. I'm reminded of this last supper that Jesus had with his disciples. Them still not fully comprehending what was about to happen. That that very night he would be arrested. But as he picked up the bread, he gave thanks and he broke it. And he told those men, this is my body, which is for you. The cup he passed around, he said, this is my blood, which is a new covenant. And as often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Don't ever forget, always remember, I let my body be beaten and let my blood be shed personally for you. So since that very first time that Jesus did it with his disciples, the church has been remembering the Lord's Supper. We do it to remember the why. And as we begin to close our service down, we're going to continue to worship and allow you the opportunity to partake of this Lord's Supper. The way we're going to do it is in a moment I'm going to pray and our deacons are going to be standing at these tables. We have one in the balcony as well. And when you're ready, after we've prayed, when you're ready, you just slip on into the center aisle down here and come on down and take a cup of juice and a piece of bread and partake. We have trash receptacles on the outer aisles ready for you to put those in as you go back to your seats afterwards. And we have that available in the balcony as well. If you have any mobility issues, you can just slip your hand up a little bit and our deacons will be watching for that. We'd be glad to bring those elements over to you where you are. But I want to say this before I pray. You may be in this room today and I can't tell you how many Christmases I sat in a worship service And though I could say the name of Jesus and I can even quote a Bible verse about him, he was not my Savior. I had not placed my faith in him. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, we invite anybody. I don't care what church you've gone to in the past or a part of. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, please come and partake of this. But if you've not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I invite you to just simply stay where you are. And that's just so that, hey, I I don't want to ask you to do something that you don't believe yet right? And I was where you were, where I wasn't sure what I believed yet. And so, hey, no judgment or condemnation for anybody that doesn't come forward. You stay and just continue to sing as we sing in just a moment. But I want to give you one more invitation. If that is you where you are, and you're like, I'm not sure I believe any of this at all. I've not put my faith in Christ. But today, I know I want to. Today, I realize I'm lost without him. Today, in this moment, I know something in my heart and soul is stirring. And I need to be found. 
If that's you, I'm so glad you're here. I want to give you one more verse. Romans 10.13 says this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. His eternal life, his abundant life, his adoption of you into his forever family is freely offered to anyone who would just simply believe. So right where you're sitting, you can pray and surrender your life to Jesus and say, okay, God, I'm tired of being lost and wondering. Please save me. Make me your child today. And if you do that, friends, you have been adopted into his family forever. And you're going to have the best Christmas you've absolutely ever had. And if you do that in just a moment, come on down. Partake of this Lord's Supper and celebrate your new life in him. Let's pray as we bow together. Lord, I thank you so much. It almost feels weird, God, to say thank you for all that you've done for us because it's just not enough. There's no way the words thank you can communicate how in all we are of what you have done for us, God. Because we are completely hopeless without you. We're completely lost in facing an eternity in hell and, and, and an aimless life here and now without you, God. But Father, because of the manger and the cross and you sending your son to us, we have hope, we have light, we have salvation, we have your adoption. And Lord, there might be someone in this room right now who knows they have not put their faith in you, but they desire it. Lord, may they call upon your name and just say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, adopt me into your family. I am done being lost. I want to be found in you right here, right now. And Lord, help them to know by their step of faith with that prayer that they are now your child forever, that you've received them graciously into your family forever, and that now is the beginning of their abundant, resurrected, eternal life in you. Oh, Lord, thank you for all that you've done to make that possible. And Lord, as we partake of this Lord's Supper, may we be reminded not just today, but for the rest of this Christmas season, why you sent your Son to us. We worship you now as we partake and as we sing together. We ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.